you are on the Coffee Sips Tea podcast, and I'm your host for today. Call me Coffee, and I'm welcoming all my lovely lattes to this show. And how you doing, all my supporters, all my listeners, and we just have a wonderful guest here today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and just tell us all about your business and everything we know about so, you. So, I'm Jermaine Wells. I've been in business quite a few years now. Uh, Cracking the Cup is my latest venture. I was also the owner of the company Wells Janitorial Services for the last seven years. And I recently shut that down back in 2018 because um, I really want to pursue my my actual life passion, which is getting back into the coffee and tea industry. And I wanted to get back in this industry in the capacity of, you know, ownership versus just being the worker. Not even I didn't even want to go in as a manager. Like I, I envision bigger goals for myself, and I make killer coffee. So I felt like why give glory to some other thing when I can build my own. So I created Cracking the Cup actually right around 2007, 2008 was when I first got the idea to go into business for myself. Unfortunately, it came with a high sticker price to get started. Hmm. So I had to go back to the drawing board and, you know, work some things out until I can get everything up and running. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't get it up and running within the year or two that I initially thought I would be able to. Um, so I had started Wells Genitorial years later back in 2011. Hmm. So now fast forward, we got to 2018, August in particular, we got invited to debut Cracking the Cup instead of allowing it to just be a conversation. People really wanted to really push me to go out there and live the dream that I wanted. So they gave me an opportunity to debut my coffee shop at the Taste of Black Chicago with Torrey Muhammad of, uh, I believe it's Black, or oh, Bean Soup Times. Want to make sure I get their names right. So he gave me the opportunity to launch. Okaha session today. This will help engage you with your relationships improve your self-empowerment to be your best selves to feel encouraged in your daily life feel motivated hi my man jermaine you back i am (laughs) listen I'm just going to say this for all my lovely lattes on here. The devil is busy today. Okay. (laughs) And when I see stuff like this happening, I'm very interested in that person and product because I want to know what kind of spirits is attacking that person or or what's going on in their life. I become super sensitive when I see stuff like this happening. And I don't know your your situation, Jermaine, like that. But honestly, I'm looking into it and I'm praying that God covers you under the blood of Jesus and go ahead and cover this line. What's going on right here? Yes. Okay, so let's go ahead and we're going to start on over with this FB right here because we <laughs> is determined. <laughs> we are. Yes. I, I do not it. give up. <laughs> That's right. 
And that's why I was so excited about having you on the show because something with your story, it just resonated so deeply uh, with your resilience and even just being in Hawaii. Like how, how did you even end up over there? Well, originally I'm from Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. I had recently moved back to Chicago in 2009 mm-hmm. and I moved up there with my fiance and last year in 20, not last year, but in 2008, I had suffered a major heart attack mm-hmm. and she's from here originally. So she had to get back up here to help her father out. And then she decided she wanted to stay up here and she wanted the boys to come up here with her. And I agreed to let them come up here. They came up here in May of that year. Well, she came up there in May of 2018. The boys came up here in July of 2018. And then I decided to close my janitorial services down that year and come up here to be with them in August. I mean, sorry, in um, November is when I made it up here. So I'm up here. I don't really like Hawaii as much as people like think this place is so beautiful and so great. It is a beautiful island, don't get me mistaken, mm-hmm. but I'm not an island person. I've never wanted to be on an island, never wanted to live near the water, per se. Mm-hmm. And I like the water. I'm just not big on being surrounded by it like this. And we're hecka surrounded by water. Mm-hmm. And it just looks so weird. Every morning I wake up and I see the ocean, which is a beautiful view, but just not my ideal place to live. Oh my. Partly because also living out here is exactly what people have and it was mm-hmm. so kind of turn off for me because I don't like to I've already come from a struggling background I didn't want to come to an even more so difficult more difficult struggling <laughs> background as far as living out here and with the inflated cost of rent here it's just like how do people make it out here but with me having this you know I don't give up attitude I just said I'll figure out a way to make a way mm-hmm. so I came up here, you know, depleted my savings. I got my everything that I could bring with me up here, got my car shipped over here and said, I'm going to figure it out because I wanted to be with my family. I wanted to keep my family together regardless of where we was at. And I felt like if I was in Chanel's shoes, <laughs> how would I feel if I could come up there to help her in her time of need, mm-hmm. you know, being up here to help her father who just experienced a major heart attack. And she came to Chicago with me because my mother had a health complication and we left Vegas to come to Chicago. So I decided to go ahead and, you know, do the same thing and, you know, keep my family together and really just try and make everything work. Um, Since I've been out here, I've been, I started out working in a little small job with uh, Sam's Club as a cashier. I I didn't even last a month before my health complications started to affect me again. Mm -hmm. And it literally put me back in the hospital right before my son's birthday in December. Mm -hmm. So I spent two weeks in the hospital in December. I got out. I was feeling better. I thought everything was going, you know, in an upward fashion at this point. So I went back out to get in the work field and I started working for Pizza Hut. And that's where I currently am working at right now. And I went in as a store manager, um, just trying to really, you know, build up my necessary management skills that you know I needed to fine tune and get more insight in the food and beverage industry a whole. And working at Pizza Hut, I literally was there from from March till August of 2019. 
before I wound up going back into the hospital. And at that point, that was like a pivotal point in my life where I was kind of pissed off. Mm-hmm. In February, I had just had my first ever amputation, which mm-hmm. I lost my toe. And it was related to diabetes. And when I lost my toe, I tried my best to make sure I did everything the doctor said. I followed all their strict dieting you know, requirements. I kept doing my insulin injections like I was told, even though they had me on three different insulins and fuels. I didn't think I was that bad, but I guess I was. So it became where I was in the clear where I wasn't a threat for any further amputations. Unfortunately, in May, when I got that news, I didn't know in August I would be losing half of my right foot as well as my left leg. And when that happened, I was so shell-shocked because I just was telling my doctor, well, before I came to this hospital, when I had my old insurance, they said I was in the clear. So, like, what happened to me and what happened to my body? Whereas from May, when I was just cleared to August, now you're talking about amputating my whole leg as well as my half of my right foot. Hmm. So, basically what happened, the ulcer that I have been dealing with for the past couple of years, it was like two years we would have been in August, sorry, September mm-hmm. of uh, 19. It would have been two years I've had those ulcers on my foot that wouldn't close. Mm-hmm. That ulcer being on my foot, it set the stage for the infection to, you know, find its way in. And they diagnosed me with osteo-something. It's a bone infection. Mm-hmm. And they said the infection got so high up my leg, they had no choice but to do the amputation, or it would have been my entire leg that I would have lost mm-hmm. instead of just below the knee. So I reluctantly, I agreed to do the surgery thinking, you know, if I get this done, you know, now I ain't got to worry about this later, recover with, like in a month or two, and I can get back to business as usual and start working towards getting my shop open. Because at that point, I realized I need to start really focusing on getting my business back up and running because I didn't like the treatment, you know, that you get when you work for somebody else and you're having a major, you know, medical crisis. They have certain rules and regulations with their companies that's not always in favor for the employee, regardless if they're a good employer or not. So I just seen all that and I said, I want to get back healthy. I want to get back into working and then I want to build mine as I'm in the process of working for Pizza Hut at the moment. Mm. <laughs> Unfortunately, my two month, you know, timestamp that I gave myself, so that would have been all of what was that, October, mm. I was anticipating a return to work in my wheelchair at that point. Mm-hmm. And the reality was that, no, I wasn't going to be returning that soon. And my leg and foot hadn't even healed, you know, that quick in order for me to go back to work that soon, as well as getting fitted for the first prosthetic, which happened the month later. Mm-hmm. So after November came, I was more hopeful, like, you know, okay, I'm getting the prosthetic done. I'll be able to go back to work. But while I was sitting down, like I had all this downtime from August till July when I, no, not July, um, what is this month? January. Mm. I started back working in January. So I had all that free time to start working on my coffee shop. So I got my coffee shop started back up, but I did it in an online version. So what I was doing was, you know, we ship our, our coffee blends and our tea roasts to our consumers that, you know, were went on a website and purchased. So I started that up in October just so I could start generating 
you know, the name out there, getting our brand back out in the public eye, even though the people who, who have supported us and who know us, they know us from the Black Taste of Chicago and doing pop-up events all around Chicago and doing the boombox while we was in Chicago. So Yay. they wanted that ready-made. They wanted the ready-made stuff as well as the brews. But unfortunately, because I live in Hawaii right now, I couldn't produce that for them. So I just, you know, I say I'm going to still push this online stuff because I see the online thing really turn into something beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, true coffee drinkers and two, true tea sippers, like, they're going to purchase this regardless and they'll make it at home because it'll save them more money in the long run. So that was my mindset. You know, you buy the part, you buy the coffee and tea from us, you save more money because you can make this at home and tweak it how you want it. Right. And you still get to get that gourmet coffee that you enjoyed from us. So... It's been slowly increasing each month. Um, and anybody know what marketing, you know, it takes a good 90 days to six months before you really start seeing some results coming in. Mm-hmm. And later, <clears throat> these last few months, I've been getting more attention on my website. I've been doing more things to navigate people to our website, bringing more attention to our product and services that we're offering. To the point where now I'm working on this business plan, getting these financial projections done, and working with some crowdfunding folks because they really like cracking the cup as well. And they were more interested in my coffee business than what they originally I signed up for with my nonprofit. And when I was just talking to them about the coffee business, they was like, oh, wait, you do coffee and tea? What? Right. So they said, well, how about this? And then they offered me, you know, a campaign of $100,000 to get cracking a cup of And I said, that would be phenomenal. Oh, yes. And now I'm going steps working with them to get this stuff put in place so we can start our crowdfunding campaign. And the goal is 100000 is what we're generating. And when I told her all I was looking for was $5,000 because I was thinking on a small scale at that point because I was like, I just want to focus on the online stuff, you know, build that up. And she's like, no, no, no. Sweetie, five thousand dollars does nothing. That's like a drop of water in a bucket of you know five gallons. But she said, no, let's aim for a hundred thousand. Let's really start getting your store opened up because that's gonna really help you fast track certain things. You know, you're gonna be able to increase some sales and then that'll help you with your online sales as well, because now you got the name recognition, you got the storefront, and you can have all those things work together for you instead of you know taking time building this one up and you know, you know, you never know how long it will take. So she said, well, if you want to do something, like, you got to start being more aggressive. Mm. And I agree. Like, I do need to be more aggressive in this environment right now because I'm in an industry that's got plenty of competition. We have a premium product. We have premium services. And people really just overall just love everything about Cracking Cup. Even the people who don't like the name. <laughs> now, I do get backlash from the name. <laughs> why, why would you say that? What do they say about that name? So I had one lady who approached me. She tried the coffee. She loved mm-hmm. it. She said she would love to have the coffee in her church, mm-hmm. but the name would not allow her to be able to do that. Hmm. So I asked her, why would you think the name would not allow this coffee to be, you know, allowed to be consumed in your church? Well, you know, it's called crack in the cup. I said, no, it's crack in the cup. Right. It's the form of a crack in a cup, mm-hmm. not crack in the cake. <laughs> <Like>, a- <laughs> oh, no. So people call with, you know, drugs. And one <laughs> baby actually was on Facebook 
condemning me and telling me how horrible <laughs> I was for making fun of a situation that, you know, destroyed black families and I'm like, what are y'all talking about? <laughs> We're talking about crack, like the drug. But I said, you know, to play on with what it is to be in the coffee industry, if you ever worked at a coffee shop, it is referenced that people who are real coffee drinkers, they look like they're a little addicted. Mm. And they all them to caffeine addicts. So it's it's going to play on with that. And of course, I knew that was going to come back and be, give me a little backlash. But I felt so strongly about the name because, you know, this isn't something that I just thought of one day. Like, I really agonized over trying to create a, a good name that's going to be memorable, that's going to be easy to, um, you know, connect the dots with. Or in, I wanted it to create conversations, whether good or bad. Then I was doing something and literally the, my grandmother image just popped into my head with her sipping in her cup, but the crack was showing. And it just kept repeating back and forth, like cracking the cup, cracking the mm. cup. The third time it happened, and I, when three is one of my power numbers. So when this happened to me three, three times, this name came back up in my life and it was years apart. I said, it's something with this name that's meant for me to have and meant for me to go with. And I asked the universe, I asked God, I was like, if this is the name, give me a sign. And that third sign came, I said, it's, it's done. I don't care about what backlash I'm going to get. I know what the name is standing for. I know what I mean by cracking the cup. Mm -hmm. So I'm going with it. So I went with cracking the cup. I got to, you know, do my first debut at the Black, uh, the Taste of Black Chicago. Mm -hmm. And that day was phenomenal and devastating at the same time. Because I do things where everyone was on the cold brew train now. I thought about cold brew stuff like years ago. So my focus was always on the cold brew. I aged cold brew my coffees and teas. So when I did my event at the Taste of Black Chicago, I had brewed a five-gallon jug of my coffee, and then I did a few of uh, little two gallons of my tea. Because those, that was my main attraction was that coffee. When I was pulling everything out of my office right there on 79th in Chatham, I was trying to avoid a lady who was walking towards me while I'm trying to get to my van. I avoided her. She came back in my path. And when I tried to turn that cart with all that stuff on it, I literally watched my five gallons of coffee go literally down the sewage mm. drain. Because when I tried to maneuver that cart to avoid the lady once more, the it tipped okay. over. And when it tipped over, I couldn't stop that thing fast enough to hold it up. And I was like, that, there it is. Mm. I'm like, there's my coffee. <laughs> that was 24 hours of brewing, <laughs> making sure it was the best coffee. I mean, that was alkaline water, 24 hours of my hard time, five, gal five pounds of my coffee. I'm like, oh, my God. I just lost the, the main attraction to my coffee. I mean, to my event today. And I was thinking, like, what am I going to do now? I mean, I still had tea, but that's not what everybody was knowing us for and wanted to come try. So in that moment, I felt so defeated because I'm like, I hadn't even made it to the gate yet. I was already running behind. I just lost the main product. And I'm like, what's the point of going? Like, I'm going to go. I'm going to disappoint. I'm not going to be able to produce what I said. And then I said, no, 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 Jermaine. Stop that right now. Like, get in your car, 
get down there to that event. Set your tent up, get your products out there. I love this because every problem that I had that day, I found another valuable solution for without just ultimately throwing in the towel. So I was just like, I was so blessed that day. And I was just like so grateful for everything that I said, I want to do this again. And I want to do it more on a reoccurring scale. And then that's when we started doing pop-up events. I started going to people's stores that wanted us to just, you know, come and do a breakfast thing with them. Uh, one of my biggest supporters was City Dollar, which was a Black-owned uh, dollar store. But she's no longer in business anymore. But she's doing some other stuff, so I'm proud of her, and I'm still working with her. And she gave me a shot to come in her store, her store to, you know, just set up shop every morning. I converted her father, who does not like cold coffee at all, but he tried my cold coffee that day, and he said, young fella, this is some good coffee. I don't know what you're doing with this coffee, but it is really nice. It's smooth. It's got flavor. And he said, that must be the soul in us, because we always turn something That is flavor. so true. I was like, <laughs> we do it. So I'm like, yeah. So I was so happy with that. And then we got to do something called the Boombox mm -hmm. Chicago. We were in the Inglewood location. And I like the Boombox concept. I like what I was able to do over there. What I didn't like is I was competing and didn't even know I was competing with other vendors. Oh. Because what I was was I had that space and that courtyard was mine. But the Inglewood, the Greater Inglewood chapter, I forgot what they call the organization, but they owned the, the land over there or the plaza. And they also had vendors that come out every day like a bazaar mm -hmm. over there, which I was not of. So when we was there, we're tucked away towards the back and they're all in the front so we get right. blocked when they start setting up their and all this stuff. And I'm like, what is this? Right. <laughs> I just not what I was in, you know, told, but I said, you know, I'm still gonna work with this. I'm not gonna let this stop me from, you know, doing what I have to do. But I networked with a few of those business uh small business owners up there. Um I had the coffee and tea and donuts and stuff, so they came over there to support me as well. I supported some of the stuff that they were selling. I was the only one who had a bathroom over there because I rented a porta pot. Like when I do things like I don't do things where I'm not thinking about every single angle. I thought about okay, you're doing a coffee and tea shop. You're setting up tables for people to sit enjoy. down and enjoy right. the coffee. Where are they gonna release their <laughs> you know their sales drinking That's coffee and true. tea all That's day? True. All the challenges that I had because I, it really helped molded me into figuring out how to do something even when you get something that's going to like kind of like put you back mm -hmm. a couple steps. That's true. And I was just like, this is great. Never just don't ever give up on yourself because as you see, you're going to keep getting hit and bombarded with all kinds of things that are going to try and stop you from doing what you want to do. But that's the real yeah. test. To see if you're going to stop. Like, uh, and because I didn't stop and I'm pushing forward now in 2020, even though we got the coronavirus, right? knocked out the plan to do the farmer markets out here in Hawaii and get on the food truck circuit, I was like, that's okay. Because this is the planning stage that I need right now so I can actually get the actual storefront open. And once I get this storefront open, I feel like we're going to take off regardless. We're going to hit those numbers that I'm projecting. And yes, I said I'm going to hit my million dollars within my hey. three years, and we're going to start opening locations love as well. That, that. One of the key parts for me 
is to come back into the communities that, you know, are the hardest hit where we don't have jobs because I'm from mm-hmm. Rose. So go about, you know, being in impoverished communities and not having great opportunities. So I want to bring opportunities to those communities. Like people say, no, you wouldn't want to open up your shop in Rose. I'm like, why not? They have money over there too. Y'all just look at the outside and just assume it's this, this, and this. I mean, yes, I have to be smart where I put my location at in Roseland, of course, but that's what any business in any place. If Arabs can set up right there in my neighborhood, why can't I? So I'm like, I'm not going to let, you know, all the naysayers tell me, no, you can't do something because I've already been able to prove why I can't do it. So my open up these jobs, create, you know, these opportunities that probably wouldn't be there if it wasn't for folks like me who came from those neighborhoods and want to reach back. Thank you so much Jermaine for stopping by on the coffee sips tea podcast if anyone is hearing this recording go on and check out his gourmet coffee and tea by checking out crackedcoffeecup.com that's crackedcoffeecup all one word dot com get you something sweet and tasty and let me know what you think about that product Okay, that's all. Now let's get back to the show. So one of the things with Cracking the Cup, just like with Wells Tutorial, our mission is to start off the baristas at $15 Ooh. an hour. I do believe in making people uh, a livable wage. Is close to that's livable a nice wage. <laughs> yeah, for a barista, yes. especially I, when I started at 6.25. So I'm like, but we're in a different mm-hmm. time. So I want to make sure that, you know, this could be a job where people, you know, want to take ownership in working for me. And we want to make sure our benefits are, you know, up to par and what people are looking for. Like, I think about all this stuff in the background that's going to help us reach those numbers, because I feel like if you take care of your internal customers, they're going to take care of your external customers. And that's going to keep the money flowing and keep everybody happy or at least close to happy as we possibly can, because I'm not uh, unrealistic where I believe that everyone's going to be happy. No, I know we're going to have people that's going to be happy, but that's okay. Because, you know, as long as the majority is happy and we're able to deliver on what we're promising, I'm okay with that. And one of my promises was to get my barista starting at $15 an hour and making it of a place that they would want to call or be proud to work for. And with Wells, I had 30 people working for me in one year that was my proudest moment because I saw that I can do this. And yeah, I had my hiccups with that, but I, I learned how to do things a little bit different, tweak what needs to be tweaked so we can get over a hurdle. So I'm really excited about getting Cracking the Cup open going. And I do see my first location being open here in Hawaii. We're also looking at a space in Las Vegas. We're coming back to Chicago, of course, because that's where um, all this did generate from yeah. work. Yeah, so we gotta play on That's right. I remember seeing and your posts on fa- Facebook, Book of Faces, as we call on this show, <laughs> uh-huh. and and seeing where when you were over at the Boombox and when you were advertising your business. So thanks for not forgetting us, little guys. Oh yeah. no, can't forget the little guys because that's who who's been building me up is the mm-hmm. little guys. So that's the cool. That's the cool thing about all this is like. 
you get to see something that you worked so hard for and then you bring it back to where it started and you get to uplift the community and create these jobs. Like one of my biggest things, I feel like it is true if we do have more job opportunities available, we can help reduce some of the violence in Chicago, especially when it comes to young men out there thinking that there's no opportunities out there for them because That's of their true. situation. I'm like, no, there is, there is, there is an option. Like, don't give up on yourself just yet. We're coming. Just, like, give us some time. we got to get everything going. And, you know, we're going to make these opportunities become available for them. One thing I did with um, – I had an opportunity to work with a little um, – I think he was 9 or 11. But his name okay. was Akita. Young African-American boy. He wanted to open up a hot chocolate shop because he loves hot chocolate. And, of course, you know – he was thinking that it wasn't going to be something people want to do. And I got introduced to this young man by an art teacher named Miosha Thomas. She's the owner of Local Color Art Studios in Chicago. And she does like little youth mentorship type of programs for her youth because she wants to introduce youth or entrepreneurship to our younger generation so we can get them interested in owning business instead of always working for someone. And no, I'm not saying it's bad to work for someone. Mm. I wouldn't dare say that. But I do want you to have a, a, a thought of, you know, maybe you can do this too if, you know, owning something like that. So when he and she brought this to my attention, I said, yeah, I would love to meet with the young guy and, you know, help him figure out some stuff. So what I wind up doing is I made an arrangement with my uh, friend at City Dollar. She gave us the space to be able to operate. And I gave him the platform to operate his hot chocolate business. He had to write up a little business plan. He had to let me know what his main product was going to be and how he was going to price it. And what I love about him and what I told him from the beginning is don't be afraid to tell me you mm -hmm. don't know something. Like, don't get Like, I'm here to help you figure it out because this is one thing that I didn't have and I had to figure out on my own a lot of the times is no one wanted to help me figure it out. So I told him, mm -hmm. don't be afraid to ask questions. Always be brave enough to ask Thank for help you when you need it. So when he know when he did not know how to make the hot chocolate drink other than the package that yeah, we used to get the, you know out of that box I think it's called Swiss coffee yeah so I showed him how to do it yeah so I showed him how to do it on a gourmet way so I showed him the hot cocoa powder that I use the cocoa powder and I showed him the two different chocolates that I have the, the syrups to give it a little extra sweetness and then I showed him how to make the drink using what we call mm -hmm. brevet, which is half and half, and to make that drink a little bit more creamier, a little bit, and mm -hmm. have a more richer taste. And when I tell you, this little boy was killing it that day, and every dollar he made for his drinks, I didn't charge anything. I said, wow. that's your money that you're generating. But just knowing the real world, okay. you got to pay your fees. But today, don't worry about that. Today, we're going to give you all 100% of your revenue. Yeah, we can just, like, it's all yours. We can go you ahead just and just stop here because we are way out of time. It was just really nice talking to you. I didn't want to stop you because you were, you were in your thing. You were in your groove. And I, I'm so happy to hear like how you're giving back to your community despite what you've been through. You have turned it around for a situation to go ahead and, and be gener generous and we're all about that here on, oh, yeah. on the Coffee Sips Tea podcast. Real quickly, before you go, what's your favorite, coffee or tea? Tea. I am really yes. in love with okay. tea. Okay, me too. I'm not really a coffee drinker, but I, I can handle the iced coffee. That's okay. 
but I'm really more yeah. of a tea. And thank you so much for sending me that cranberry apple, the tisane. I hope I'm saying it right. Oh, yeah. That was hitting yesterday. Because yes. I'm like, I don't want to not drink that and then go talk to him tomorrow. And, and I don't even know what to say. So you guys, you need to go and check out Crack in the Cup Coffee and tea. He is now in Honolulu, but he is thinking of branching out to all the different areas. And can you just tell our listeners real quick where they can go to get them their own gourmet coffee or tea? So our website is crackedcoffee.com. So it's crackedcoffee.com. Oh, one word. Okay. Yes, ma'am. And no, he's not trying to to call anybody a crackhead. He's talking about the crack in the car. I don't even know where that lady got that from because when when I'm seeing the title, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking an actual crack in the coffee cup, which is really cute. And your logo is nice. Everything is, yeah. is packaged beautifully. I'm sure everyone is going to enjoy this. So thank you so much for gracing us today on our, our show. And thank you. It was a lot of tech <laughs> tech issues. We're going to work this thing out. Ms. Rona was hating today. Yeah. But we did that. We still did that. And I'm so proud of you, Jermaine. The lattes know how we can pour into your cup. And I love the name, by the way. Lovely latte. That is so befitting. Thanks so much for love that. It. Okay, Jermaine. Well, um, Unfortunately, that's our time, and we would love to have you back on again and get some more into that tea, baby. And as we say on this show, you guys, see you next time on the flip hand side. Bye. Uh